How's everybody doing? Turn your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 5, and uh, we're going to jump into today's message. Uh, Last week, we started a series entitled Unstuck, okay? The reality is all of us get stuck at some point in our life, whether it's in our faith, and uh, we just can't seem to get past that hurdle or that, that thing that's got us stuck. Maybe it's in your prayer life, and you've been praying, and you felt the presence of God in your prayer life, but then all of a sudden you wake up the next morning, you're praying, and you don't feel that same presence of God, and you feel stuck. Maybe it's in reading your Bible. You know, uh, one of the greatest ways to get unstuck when you're reading your Bible is this right here. Right there, that's it. It's a good arm workout, okay? You get unstuck. And so, you know, you get stuck. And so maybe it's in your marriage, all right? Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your finances. But maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's in your future. Maybe God has shown you something. And you, you, you love what God has shown you. And you want to get to that place that God has shown you. But you feel stuck. And you don't know the next step to take. All of us get to that place in life. Here's the thing that I have learned, though, is God does not want us to stay stuck. Amen? The Bible says that we go from faith to That's right. It says we go from glory. Glory. Come on. Okay. God wants us to increase. Increase and growth is a part of the Christian life. He does not want you to stay where you're at. Where you're at right now does not even compare to where God wants you to be and what he has for you tomorrow. Okay. He wants you to get unstuck and listen to me. Here's something we need to understand as we're going through this series. Being unstuck is not something that happens just seasonally. Uh, Being unstuck needs to happen every day. Okay. Because if you are exactly the same way today as you were yesterday, you're already starting to dig a rut for yourself and you're going to get stuck right there. But God wants you to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. He wants you to increase in your life. So last week, we looked at Micah 6.5. And in Micah 6.5, the prophet reminds us, the voice of God reminds us to remember back, or reminds the children of Israel to remember back to what took place between Shittim and Gilgal. And we looked at that, and we looked at how Israel was stuck in Chittim, and they were unable to get to the place that God had for them, but they had to get unstuck to get there. And we learned that all of us have some Chittim in our lives. Come on, somebody, okay? We get stuck in certain places, in certain areas in our life, and God wants us to get unstuck, and he wants us to move forward. And I'm just telling you right now, we got so many cards turned in last week. Uh, people wrote down, this is what I want to get unstuck from. This is what's going on in my life. More cards than I've seen in a long time. So I know that God is using his word. Come on, to get you unstuck. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And it reads, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, uh, there was a pool. An Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades with five pools. In these pools lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Somebody say that's a long time. It's a long time. Been there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there, what? A long time. Okay. He said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. But Jesus says to him, I love this, get up. Everybody say, get up. Get up. Yeah. Jesus says to him, get up, take up your bed and walk, and at once, hmm. 
at once. See, we prayed for some people this morning to be healed. We prayed for some people this morning to have financial breakthrough. And this is what the American Christian mindset does. Yes, someday my body will be healed. Yes, someday I'll eventually experience my financial breakthrough. Yes, someday, okay, they prayed for me and now I'm really going to strive to get healed and I'm really going to strive to have a financial breakthrough. But that's the American Christian. The Bible Christian, come on somebody, says at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. At once he took up his bed and he walked. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is living God, it's active. God, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it comes and it divides the soul and the spirit. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. So God, I pray that your word that is living and powerful would come today and cut through the soul and the spirit. It would discern what's taking place in our life today and we would get unstuck and we would move forward in the great things that you have for us. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Uh, Here in John chapter 5, this is what's taking place. Everyone is coming up to Jerusalem. Now when you read your Bible, you're going to notice something. Every time Jerusalem is referenced, is always referenced as up. Okay? Going up to Jerusalem. At that time, the the chosen city. Okay? But we know that that in in, in the life to come, there's going to be a new heavens, a new earth. There's actually going to be a new Jerusalem. And heaven is always spoken of as up. Okay? They are going up to Jerusalem, and, and, and they're, they're going to have this feast. But on the way there, there is this, this, these, these pools at Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda. Okay? And there, according to Scripture, every once in a while, uh, an angel of the Lord would appear, would trouble the waters or stir up the waters. And as those waters were stirred up, whoever stepped into it first, boom, they were touched. They were healed. I mean, you think that's a pretty cool deal, right? Okay? I mean, if I had a little cup of water, you know, and I shook it, and you guys, woo, you know, got up here. Okay? This is what's taking place. It was obviously much larger than a cup of water. Okay? But as you read the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very pathetic sight. Okay? Very pathetic. Okay? Because the Bible doesn't just say there's a handful of invalids, and the Bible goes on to say there are blind people, there are paralyzed people, and there are lame people. I like to translate that to us today as being the blind people. Those are people that, that, that can't even see the vision that God has for them. Okay? And so they're stuck. They're stuck because they can't see the provision. They can't see the vision. They can't see the thing that God wants to do in their life. And so they're blind people. They're blind. Okay? But then there's another group of people, and, and they're paralyzed. These are people that are stuck. They can see the vision of God. They can see the provision of God. They can see where they need to be and where they need to get, but they're paralyzed. Paralyzed means to be brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act. And so they're just there. They see it, but they can't get there. Okay? And then it goes on to the third people, and it says they're lame people, and these people are just lame. So, <laughs> Blind people, paralyzed people, lame people. But the Bible says there is a multitude of these people. Okay? A mul- there is a lot of them. And they are there. They are gathered together. They're like a church. <laughs> well, okay. They're hanging out together. You know? You know they're, just, they're just there. Okay? Now here's what, what I want to point out to you real quickly, and we're just going to dive into this thing. Okay? 
What I want to point out to you is this, is that as we read the Bible, oftentimes we read it and we see those scenarios laid out. Wow, there's a multitude of people that are hurting and they're in need. And this is true, okay? But if you study Scripture out, what you're going to notice is they're in Jerusalem, okay? Not only that, Bethesda means house of mercy. And there are five pools And five is the number of grace. These people are lying around in mercy and grace. But yet, they're still blind, they're still paralyzed, and there is a whole group of lame people. Okay? I would like to tell you that that this is a picture of of the culture we're trying to reach. Unfortunately, I I don't see that this morning. What I see is this is the culture we have created as a church. People with issues. Now listen to me. If you got issues, church is the right place to go. Okay? Listen to me. Just look look at me, man. I am lame. (laughs) Okay? Look around. There's some blind people in here. Look around. There's some paralyzed people in here. Listen to me. Church is the right place to be, but they have the wrong concept of it. And they are lying around in mercy, and they are lying around in grace, but they aren't getting any better. They're stuck. Why? Because they aren't taking the initiative to do anything. Well, it's going to be quiet today. Bring Stephen Kwisa back up. All right. Okay. Jesus shows up. Why? Because he's going up just like everyone else to, to join in the feast. Okay. As he gets there, he sees the multitude. He sees the blind, the paralyzed, and the lame. And he does not go after the easiest case. He goes after someone that has been there, or at least lame, for 38 years. Wow. That's a long time, okay? It's a long time. And he's paralyzed, okay? He's there. Can't function for himself. How do, we, how, how do I deduct that he's paralyzed? Because he says he has no one to help him into the water. Okay? No one, no one to get him there. I love what Jesus does. And what Jesus does shows us something. Jesus shows us this, that no matter what you're stuck in, and no matter how long you've been stuck, there's still hope for you. Are you with me this morning? No matter what you're stuck in and no matter how long you've been stuck there, Jesus can still. See, there are people that say this, I don't know, you don't know what I've done, man. It's, I've, I've, I've led a really bad life and I've done this and I've done that. Jesus is going after you. He, he, that, that's the ones he goes after. It's completely different than me. I go after the easy ones because I, I want a large success rate. Come on, somebody. Right? Okay? Jesus has a huge success rate and he goes after the difficult ones. The dude has been there for a really, really long time. Stuck there for a long time. They're lying around in mercy and grace, but they're stuck. A multitude. Can I just give you some principles that I see in this passage real quickly of how I believe that we can get unstuck and move into the next season that God has for us. As we look at this man's situation, the first one is simply this, okay? And if you're a note taker, write these down because you're going to need them. If you don't need them right now, you'll need them someday. Like tomorrow maybe. First is this, you have to play your part. You have to do what's required of you. There is something required of you. I love what Pastor Stephen shared in the first service and even up here. uh, The word that God gave for him. 
for the church of the U.S. Not for the people of the U.S., but for the church of the United States of America. Okay? Stop worrying about this. Stop worrying about that. Stop focusing on this and start focusing on what God has spoken and what God has for you. Okay? And it requires something. It requires action on our part. We can come every weekend and we can lie around in his mercy and we can lie around in his grace or we could also begin to take action and begin to do something. There's something required of you. There's something required of you. Philippians 2.12 says this, work out your own salvation with fear, trembling. Right? That sounds like there's something required of you. That you have to do something. Now, yes, we understand that, that his grace is sufficient, but in his grace, he has equipped us to do something. James talks about this. It says this in 1 Timothy 4 8. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Uh, my wife and I, we just started insanity. Can you tell? The workout. All right? We just started this workout. We're five days into it. Today is actually my favorite day. It's the rest day. Come on, somebody. When I saw that, I was like, I knew that was going to be my favorite day. Okay. But can I tell you something? Nothing happens if I just put on the video and watch Shanti. Yo, peace out. You know? If I just watch him on the video, like, oh, yeah. Go, Shanti. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that looks hard. Wow. Man, that's a good, oh, I'm sweating already. You know? Nothing happens unless I start doing these. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You know? See, I've been doing it. I'll show you a couple of the moves, yeah? Nothing happens unless I apply myself. I really wish that I could just put it on and sit there with a big bag of potato chips. Yeah! I wish I could do that, okay? Unfortunately, that's the way a lot of us treat church. We come and, man, that song was awesome. Oh, that was a great message. Yay, look what's happening in Uganda. Awesome. And then we leave and we do nothing to change our lives. Wow, it's quiet. We must understand that there is divine sovereignty, what he does. And then there is human responsibility, what we do. And when the two collide, something miraculous happens. Something amazing begins to happen. You've got to take responsibility. This man is lying there along with everybody else. Nothing's happening. And it's not because I'm not taking responsibility. It's because I have no one to put me in the water. We'll we'll get there in just a minute. Secondly, how am I going to get unstuck? Looking at this passage, you've got to acknowledge you need to be unstuck. You've got to acknowledge that you need to be unstuck. Now listen to me. We mentioned last week, being stuck doesn't mean you're necessarily just stuck in something bad. I shared with you last week, I'm stuck in a good marriage. It's, an, it's, a, it's a good marriage. But I don't want to be stuck in a good marriage. I want to go to a great marriage. You could be stuck in a good business, but what about going to a great business? You could be stuck in a good financial position, but what about going to a great financial position? 
You've got to acknowledge that, that, that you need to be unstuck. The very first thing, now listen, this is Jesus. This is God incarnate in the flesh, on earth, all-knowing, all-powerful, okay? And he comes up, he sees the multitude, just, just, just kind of hones in on the one that's been there for a long time and walks up to the guy that can't move into the water and says, hey, do you want to be healed? It's kind of like a duh question, right? But Jesus asks him the question because he wants the man to confess that he needs to be healed. We must acknowledge the fact that we are stuck and we want to get unstuck. Now here's what I've noticed about stuck people. They get so stuck and so focused on themselves that they can't even acknowledge that they need to get unstuck. So when the question is asked, hey, do you want to get unstuck? They don't say yes. They say, you know what? I don't have anybody. Nobody cares about me. No one's helping me out. No one's getting me unstuck. It wasn't the question. The question was, do you want to be healed? And, and, And he doesn't answer it. He points the finger. He's bitter now. Listen, we get, we get so stuck for so long that we get bitter. I have nobody. That guy over there, yeah, he had somebody. And if, if, I, was, if, I, if, I, mean, if I was blind, at least I could feel my way to the water. The blind people got it better than me. And the lame people, they're just lame. You know, pointing the finger. Jesus wants them to acknowledge the fact that he needs to be healed. The very premise of us coming into the kingdom of God, something is required of us. Romans 10.10 talks about this. Okay, what does it say? We believe in our heart. It's not just enough to believe though, but confession is made unto salvation. I need Jesus. Are you with me this morning? I need a savior. I need a healer. I need a provider. I need a strong tower. I need a refuge. I need a hope. And when I begin to acknowledge it, something happens. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in sin and I need a savior. His name's Jesus. Jesus wanted him to acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're stuck in order to get unstuck. Hi, my name is Ben Brinkman, and I am stuck. (laughs) Something else that I see here in this passage is Jesus wants him to change his confession. You've got to change your confession if you want to get unstuck. You've got to change your confession. Because if you don't change your confession, you'll continue to point fingers at everybody else. Well, if I went to a different church... Well, if I had a different pastor, well, if I was married to somebody different, if I had a different job, I mean, yeah, if I won the lottery, well, yeah, if I had different parents, well, if I hadn't gone through that circumstance or that situation, well, this wouldn't have happened to me. Well, it did. (laughs) Grow up. Put on some big boy pants. Come on, somebody. Well change your confession bible says in proverbs 18 21 death and life are in the power of the and those that love it will eat of its fruit the reason this guy is stuck listen to his confession do you want to be healed i don't have anybody 
And every time the water is stirred up, then, then I try to get there, but somebody else always gets there first. God loves them more than me. To hear his confession. The reason he's stuck. Amen. This is good preaching, Pastor. He's bitter, he's complaining, and therefore nothing's changing. He's bitter, complaining, and nothing's changing. That we hit on it last week, but listen to me. Bitterness, unforgiveness. Continue to point that finger. You gotta change your confession. Change your confession. Change your confession. Change your confession. Listen to me. I know that might have happened to you, and those are the facts, but the truth of God's word says... Are you with me? The truth of God's word. The truth of God's word. You need to tap into what this says rather than what your circumstances say. You need to tap into what this declares over your life rather than what a mom and dad declared over your life. You need to tap into what this declares about your life rather than what a boss or a teacher or something spoke over you as a little child and you're stuck back there and they told me I was a failure. But the word of God declares that you're a a victor in Jesus' mighty name. Your circumstances might say you're a victim, but the Bible says you're victorious in Christ Jesus. That's the truth of God's word. But you want to rehearse over and over in your mind, I don't have anybody, this happened, this happened. Get into the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, okay? Read this thing and listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Do not just read it because knowledge puffs up, but when knowledge gets applied, it becomes wisdom, wisdom gotta change your confession four this is gonna get somebody you're like I did that it's part of the workout (laughs) you gotta change your friends somebody said some big old amens over there and their friend looked at him like what what you talking about You heard it too, right? (laughs) You got to change your friends. Look, Look at this. There is a multitude of people in the exact same situation. All of them. Waiting for their big break moment. All of them together. Paralyzed people, blind people, lame people, multitude of them. It's pathetic. And they're hanging out, probably talking about their latest bad day. I mean, could you, I mean, just just think of just two of them worked together. Because you know you had some people that maybe they just had like like a bum hand. And they know they can beat everybody else in. You know what I'm talking about? You know those people, right? I'm going to get there. <laughs> right? I mean, they can run, they can see, they're skipping over the people, you know. And they're going to get there first. What if the blind guy and the, and the paralyzed guy work together? You know? I mean, the blind guy can move, the paralyzed guy can see. What if they devised a plan to trip the other guy? <laughs> right? What if they just had one friend, you know, to trip that guy so somebody else has an opportunity, okay? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, if they just started working together, 
I mean, really? I mean, blind guy could put paralyzed guy on his shoulders. Paralyzed guy could be the eyes. Think about that. Think about that. I, I got one better for you. What if they all stepped into the water at the same time? Well, think about that one. What if they're like, okay, ready? I'm paralyzed, guys, like. <laughs> all right, blind guy, roll me in. Right? But what if? What if? One. Two, or they had two blind guys. Why? <laughs> that would just be a cool sight to see. I mean, that probably would have made Jesus happy, right? He walks up like, oh. but they're not. Why? Because listen to me. If you have a lust problem, and all you're doing is hanging out with lusty people. You ain't getting set free from lust. You're planning videos and pictures. Well, that's a little too real, huh? What, 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 about, what, if, what if you got an anger problem? All you're doing is hanging out with angry people. No wonder there's so many people injured. <laughs> okay. You're not going to get set free. You're going to stay stuck because reality is they don't care about you. They don't care about you anyway. Look, they don't care about each other. All they care about is they want to be the first one in. They want to be the first one there. Oh, let, let, let me rewind for a minute. We're talking about the church. Wow. I will. got to change your friends the bible says is iron sharpens iron okay if you study that scripture out what you're going to discover the only way this metal can get sharpened is by a metal stronger than it it's true google it i did only way a metal can get stronger is if it rubs against a metal that's stronger than it so if you're a soft metal and you're a soft metal you're just doling each other you got anger, they got anger, they got lust, you got lust. You're just, you're just doling each other. You're just getting more angry, more lustful. They're pulling you down. Now listen, I want to make this real clear. When I say change friends, I don't talk about changing friends with the ones that are challenging you. Because those are usually the first ones you go to. Oh, yeah, I know who I'm going to change. <laughs> I'm changing churches because Pastor Ben, he's like, he's making me con- feel condemned. <laughs> no, it's called guilt, and it's the primary tool the Holy Spirit uses in your life to bring you back to him. Because the reality is, if you're feeling condemned, the Bible says there, are no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're feeling condemned, well, get in Christ Jesus. So either way, it's a win-win. If you're feeling condemned, get in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling guilty, change. I could close right there. Amen. Who, who needs to get saved? 
Lastly, stop waiting for the aha moment in life. Stop waiting for the aha moment. All of them, a multitude, invalids, paralyzed, lame, blind, they're all waiting for the aha moment. They're waiting for the stirring of the waters. They're waiting for their big break. They're waiting for their chance. If I can be the one that gets in, then I can be made well. And they're all waiting for the aha moment. Too many of us are sitting here this morning waiting for the aha moment. If only the right message was preached. If only the Holy Spirit visit me in this way. If only this would happen over here. If that would happen, then aha, I would be set free i would be unstuck we're waiting for the oh come on stir my faith today pastor ben so i can walk that way you filled up and unstuck you're waiting for the aha moment listen to me i know that the majority of not only christians but this is the mentality in our culture that we're living a lottery mentality. We buy a ticket and we hold on to the hope for 24 hours if only I could win this money. If only. That's how we live our life, too many of us. That big break, if only I got that promotion, if only I met so-and-so, if only this happened, if that happened, and you get yourself in a rut. And you live from aha moment to aha moment to aha moment. That is not what God intended for us. That is not the way God designed us. We've got, we've got, to, we got to buck up and begin to apply ourselves and begin to do something. Look at what happens. This is so good. Have you guys ever seen those commercials, the feed the pig commercials? Yeah. Feed the pig. <laughs> if you haven't seen the great commercials... This armored truck is driving by and it turns and the back door opens up and all this money comes flying out. And this guy's like, oh my word! Ah! And he's picking up the money. He goes, this can't be happening! And all of a sudden the pig walks up and goes, it's not, you dummy. And it talks about saving money. Planning for your future. <laughs> Feed the pig, okay? <laughs> Listen to me. You need to begin to feed your spirit. And you need to begin to take initiative and you need to begin to apply yourself and you need to begin to get unstuck. Listen to, I love this, so awesome. Jesus finds them the most challenging person and he approaches that person knowing full well that he's going to heal him. And he comes up, asks him the question. Guy never answers the question. He complains about his circumstance. Jesus doesn't listen to his whining. Listen to me, Jesus does not listen to whiners. Cry to him for help, absolutely, but whine to him? <sighs> Jesus ignores everything he says and listen to what he says. Let me just go back and read it. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. Because that's what whiners sound like. <laughs> when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus says to him, Get up! Take up your bed, stop being a whiner, and walk. And at that moment, the man gets up. What changed? Listen to me. I feel with all my heart that Jesus is saying to you, listen to me, you are, you are caught in lust. Stop looking at the pictures. You are holding bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Forgive. 
Get up. That is not the loving message I came for today. I'm going to voice my opinion. I'm not coming back for seven days. Get up. Listen, there are some of you, and I know the stuff you've been in, you've wrote it down on your card, not once, but like 13 times. Get up. The most love I can share with you right now is this. Get up. Get up. Get unstuck. Pick up that which you've been lying in. Pick it up. Carry it. Get up. I want, it, I, want, I want the angel to stir the water. Because then I have excuses of why I'm still stuck. Then I have excuses of why I'm still in debt. If you're in debt, stop spending more than you make. Get up. That's how that works. Get Jesus didn't even Jesus didn't even reach out his hand like he did for some of them. Oh, here, let me help you. Get up. Thirty-eight years, you pathetic sight. That's pretty harsh, Pastor. I'll tell you what. He went after the hardest case. Can you imagine some of the other people that are there? Get up. Get up. I just, want, I just want to be closer to God, and I want my life to be transformed, and you know, I'm just not necessarily feeling it. Get up. It ain't about what you feel. It ain't about how you feel. Get up. Do you think, do you think Pastor Stephen felt like having underground church as people were trying to kill him? Get up. Get up. Get up. And I love it. And the man got up at once. Can you imagine how dumb he felt? 38 years and all I had to do was get up. <laughs> now listen to me. I'm not limiting the fact that Jesus was there and there was supernatural divine intervention, but the super divine uh, in- intervention came with these words, get up. I love what takes place next. How do you stay unstuck? He picked up the junk he had been lying in. And that which was carrying him, he now begins to carry. Because once you get unstuck, you have a testimony. And the testimony is the power of God and His grace in your life. And you begin to pick up that which you've been lying. Oh man, I did have a problem with anger. I did have a problem with lust. I did have a problem with debt. I did have a problem with this. I did have a, but guess what? It's not carrying me any longer. I'm carrying it. And I'm going to be a testimony of the grace of God and the goodness of God so that other people can be set free too. Get up, pick it up, keep moving forward, and don't ever lie down in it again. Get up, get unstuck, move on with the things that God has for you. Every eye open, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And if you're here for the very first time, I don't know if I remember to do this. Welcome to Urban Church. (laughs) 
If you did not have an opportunity, there was a card and a thing we call a program. I love the sound of those chairs. You know what? No, seriously, you know why? Because, oh no, leave the lights on. Turn the lights back on. I need to see people. Plus, I don't want to be lame and paralyzed on the way out. Because so. when I hear those chairs, it means you got up. When you get up, people are going to notice. When you get up, it's going to make a difference. When you get up, it's going to make a sound. If you didn't have a chance this morning to fill out one of our contact cards, fill one out. If I could get an usher with a bucket at the door, or you can drop it at the info stand, whatever. We have a book, Beautifully Wrecked. It's seven stories about people that got up. How their lives have been transformed. If you're here today and you, 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 you've been coming for a while, you don't need to fill out the contact card for your information. But I'd love for you to rip it out and say, Pastor, I'm getting up, and this is what I'm getting up from. I read through those cards this week. And seeing the decisions that people are making, I'm proud of you. The decisions you're making. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. Because you've been lying in that for some years. But get up. Keep moving forward. And if you stumble and you fall, though a righteous man falls seven times, he picks himself up and he keeps going. How do I know that I'm no longer righteous? Because I stay down. If you stay down, that's, that's the problem. Listen to me. When you fall, that's not the problem. It's when you stay down, that's the problem. You end up back at the pool, lying around with the lame people, the blind people, and the paralyzed people. The righteous, though they stumble seven times, they get back up. They pick up their issue, and they keep moving. And they keep going. Listen to me. Hear me today. Keep moving. Keep going. Keep going forward in God. Keep going forward. It doesn't matter if you relapse. It doesn't matter if you fell back in. Listen to me. His grace is sufficient. Man, his love covers a multitude of sins. Get up. Keep moving forward. Keep going because God has something great for you. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. And if you fall, get up again. And if you stumble, get up again. And if you fall, get up again. I'm telling you, at some point, you will stop falling less. He died so that you could become sinless. Just because you ask Jesus Christ in your heart doesn't mean you stop sinning. You choose to sin, but listen to me, you sin less. Until that which is perfect, Jesus Christ comes back and the work is complete and finished. You'll start falling less. Because you'll discover something. It hurts when you fall. And it not only hurts you, it hurts those around you. So if you're going to fall, fall back into the cross of Jesus. Fall back into the grace and the mercy that he has for you.